Welcome back to a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar. My name is Jamal and I'm a Buddhist. My name is Jacob and I am a Christian. And today we are talking about religion, which we've never done. <laughs> a new ground for the podcast. <laughs> so we were having a conversation before this about like uh, the the needs of content creation and like you know the kind of the, the, the ways that our minds subtly shift towards thinking about things to podcast about. Um, and you know, I, I just thought, well, what if, what if we made a podcast about religion, Jacob? What, what, what if we talked about that? We endless topics we could we could we could riff off. Do you do you worship content creation, Jamal? Oh, I certainly hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where you find your your meaning and your purpose in life? And oh man, I um, you know, Lord, Lord, give me articles to talk about, <laughs> and um, you know, well, to prayer. Yes, it is. Um, no, today we um, t- today we we have a, an article that um, I I read this article. I'm not sure this is so much of an article as just a kind of a, an opening of a. Uh, of a conversation about uh, David Foster Wallace, who mm. is one of those people who I know the name of, but don't know anything much about. So I am going to need you to give me a very quick crash course in David Foster Wallace, Jacob. Well, I I know a little bit about David Foster Wallace. I know the speech that we're um, about to, to talk about, which was a commencement address in 2005 at Kenyon College. He was a, an author, a, um, like a, a literist, mm-hmm. uh, and an atheist, um, sadly, no longer with us. Um, so he, he died by suicide uh, sometime in the sometime in the last 10, 15 years and, and, or did, so. Did and, and that, that's, I don't know much more about the guy than that, I'm afraid. Do, do, I, do I recall correctly he wrote Infinite Jest? Is that, is that the book that he wrote? Possibly. Yeah. It, which, yeah. again, is one of those books kind of like Ulysses, which I've like, you know, I've heard is like on the list of things you all want to read but never get around to, but yeah. <laughs> he's, he's definitely, I think, at, at that end of... Um, kind of fiction right like that the that proper deep literary end yes um like you know up up there with someone like tolstoy and not so much dan brown yes yeah. yes um yeah okay so 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 this article is a, essentially a re a, a reprint of of the okay. speech yeah the the article that we've got here is just a a part a snippet of the speech you can read it on full if you're a Wall Street or Wall Street Journal subscriber, um, or it's in a in a book called This Is Water: Some Thoughts Delivered on a Significant Occasion About Living a Compassionate Life, mm-hmm. um, which really kind of summarizes the address. Yeah. So 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 what does what does David Foster Wallace say? Well, so I'll I just he has such a nice way with words that I'll, I'll quote him from right. the the beginning of this snippet. Uh, at least that's the best way to do it. A huge percentage of the stuff that I tend to be automatically certain of is, is, it turns out, totally wrong and deluded. Here's one example of the utter wrongness of something I tend to be automatically sure of. Everything in my own immediate experience supports my deep belief that I am the absolute center of the universe, the realest, most vivid and important person in existence. We rarely talk about this sort of natural basic self-centeredness because it is so socially repulsive, but it's pretty much the same for all of us deep down. This is our default setting, hardwired into our boards at birth. Think about it. There's no experience you've had that you are not at the absolute center of. 
The world as you experience it is right there in front of you or behind you or to the left or the right on your TV or your monitor, whatever. Other people's thoughts and feelings have to be communicated to you somehow, but your own are so immediate, urgent, real, you get the idea. But please don't worry that I'm getting ready to preach to you about compassion or other directedness or the so-called virtues. This is not a matter of virtue. It's a matter of my choosing to do the work of somehow altering or getting free of my natural hardwired default setting, which is to be deeply and literally self-centered and to see and interpret everything through this lens of self. Mm. And yeah. that's kind of what he goes on to, to riff on for, for a little bit is, is what do we do about this default setting mm. so i my immediate response to that is you know that I, th- I think there's a very clear line in buddhism around egolessness and all that but I, mm. i'm interested to hear from you my my understanding and maybe my assumption is that christianity works its way through that problem through a real centering on god and jesus is that it, it's you that focusing mm. on god as as the kind of the arbiter of all things really helps to take away from that self-centeredness and that 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 kind of it draws you out of yourself essentially yeah Yeah. is that is that is that correct yeah no that that would be a a fair way to put it that um we we find ourselves truly in connection with god and and to the to the extent that um another an aspect of Christian faith and, and belief that we've not talked about maybe so much on the, the podcast is the the work of the Holy Spirit. So um, Christian thinking is that, that we we know God in three persons, and that's all terribly complicated. We can worry about that later. But that's, that's God the Father, um, God the Son, that's Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. And that the Spirit is somehow the, the bridge from us to God the Father and God the, um, God the Son. And and that as the spirit, as the Holy Spirit dwells within us, we're drawn into God's life and out of our own self-centeredness, mm. as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so obviously that works on a theological level. Does does that work on a practical level as well for Christianity? You're going to have to unpack that slightly more for me. Sorry. So I, so I I I guess if I think of this idea that you know working through God to draw yourself, to draw mm. out of yourself, to work through the Holy Spirit as that bridge, right? Like, I can see how that clearly works on a theological level. I can see sure. how that, you know, when I think about the world and I think about my place in the world and I think about what it means to be, that I can see how that works. But I guess my question is, does that come down, does that get to a day-to-day application of how to do that and the kind of the process by which you can live that every day so it's because i guess my Mm. understanding of what david foster wallace talks about is that you know it's not just this conceptual i need to understand that i'm not the center of the universe but also it's i need to behave and live like i'm not the center (laughs) of the universe right so yeah yeah. how how does that work well and and it's kind of like the the thoughts lining up with the actions Mm. then at that point if you like um and the 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 way that Jesus put it as when he kind of articulated what, what I think winds up being known as the golden rule, like, but which is a, the two greatest commandments in Judaism. He says, uh, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and Jesus says that actually these two, he actually says the second commandment is like the first. 
that as you love your neighbor, you're loving God. Um, and, and you can't separate the two out from one another. Um, so I can't think that I love God um, and am shaped by God without actually going around and loving my neighbor and putting their needs above themselves, above putting their needs above myself. Okay, so uh, here's our first tangent of the day then. Um, <laughs> Excellent, but, uh, I love a good tangent. So like, how does that apply then to people who have a real and kind of a verifiable theology, but don't necessarily live that in the practical sense, right? They don't mm-hmm. love their neighbor like that, you know? So I'm thinking of people who are, you know, priests or involved in the church who are, you, you can absolutely go, yeah, this person understands the theology and they understand God and yet they're assholes or they're, they're people yeah. that, you know, <laughs> that, that, that don't love their neighbors very well yep. or whatever else. Like, yep. How does that work? Well, so there, there's, there's two, there's two responses to that. Um, I'll go with, I'll go with the harsh one first, right? Which I, I think there is an extent to which, if you are not loving other people well, you don't actually know God. Sure. Um, and I'm willing to put it as bluntly as that, but then immediately walk back from it a little bit to say that we we all, you know, at least within the Christian church, but actually, you know, all of humanity, we 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 don't know God perfectly. We know God in part, um, and we fall short not just of the the moral standard that's required, but we we fall short of the the intellectual standard that's required, right? Like our, our faith is is not as strong as it could be and our knowledge of who God is is not as strong as it could be and so then the way that that works its way down into our lives is not as, as pure and as wonderful as it could be. Um, C.S. Lewis had a, a way of putting it which was along the lines of um, if you if you come across a guy who is and it's a guy in his example like who's a particularly cantankerous um, you know not not terribly pleasant person and he's a Christian or professes to be a Christian and you look at this guy and you go like he's just, he's just not that nice to to be around and a bit of a you know um, we, we're tempted to jump straight to judging his Christianity and going, oh, his faith's real and his whatever. But Lewis says, you don't know what that guy would be like if he didn't know Christ. Mm. Um, so that that kind of takes into account, I guess, the, the fact that we're all at different places. We've all had different life experiences. We're all wired in different ways, actually. So the, the way that we respond to God is going to look different based on all of that stuff. So... I'd want to say, on the one hand, if you're doing terrible things, that reflects an imperfect knowledge of God, but that doesn't necessarily invalidate your faith. Yeah, yeah, it's that idea that, like, you know, if if you're, if you, you know, if you're an asshole and you uh, <laughs> are very, very theologically sound, yeah, you know, maybe you're more of an asshole if you weren't theologically sound, right? Like, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, that's interesting. So th- th- there's another part of this um, David Foster Wallace uh, speech that I really 
like and you know, I, I'd love to unpack is this idea, and I think we, we've spoken about this in, in a different episode and I, I thought it was to do with that article, but actually it's to do with this article because we're <laughs> reading articles in, within days of each other. Um, but it's this idea that there's no such thing as not worshipping. Yeah. You know, that everybody In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And that, you How know, does the Buddhist feel about that? You, you claim all of the atheists in the census as closet Buddhists? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll take them. I'll take them all. Um, but yes. So the, the, the quote here is that, you know, uh, there's no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship, be it Jesus Christ or Allah, be it Yahweh or the Wiccan Mother Goddess or the Four Noble Truths or some infrangible set of ethical principles, is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. Mm. I, I, I love that, right? So it's like this idea that like, you know, it's... It's like, I, I think even if we take the most atheistic, the most non-religious kind of belief systems, you know, and we, we, we did speak in the other episode about how um, capitalism and our role in the marketplace but has taken that role for a lot of people and, mm-hmm. that, you know, that we, we end up serving that. Like our monetary value or our productivity or, yeah. or whatever. That's, yeah, yeah. The, 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 that becomes the centre and the thing we worship, so to speak. That, like, I, I find it really fascinating this idea that like it's a really good articulation of it and not one that I'd necessarily thought of before, right? That, you know, if we don't place something in the central role of our lives, something will just automatically go there and it's likely to be a social construct or a a kind of product of our society or whatever else, but also it's very likely to be individual. You know, you know it, it's very likely to be yourself mm-hmm. and your own understanding and things and I, and I think this is my point sorry that I was well, this getting... is his you mean, this is his self-centeredness that he's talking yes. about at the beginning right like the, yeah 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 and I think this is the point I was getting to it's like you know the most atheistic kind of perception of things actually worships the self mm-hmm. actually worships um you know we talk about you know yeah okay if you think about liberal humanism atheism as a kind of as a as a as a child of say David Hume's empiricism right where it's like things are true as you can experience them and you know which is like kind of the, the fundamental core tenet of science and all these mm-hmm. other things it's like essentially your own experience is true and is worshipped and is the center of things in the absence of anything else and when you no, start that's, to that's do that's all that, you've got that's actually almost like a cartesian like i think mm, therefore i am right yeah. like the, the only grounds the ba- the only basis i have for reality is my own thought. Yes. And when you start to do that, when you start to place your own experiences of things as the only arbiter of truth and the only arbiter of like how you can know things, you know, I think that leads to QAnon. It leads to these kinds of very <laughs> kind of antisocial, you know, and I, I, you know, there are also ways you can be more within mainstream society and do that, but I think it leads to narcissism. It leads to this mm-hmm. idea that, you know, my experience of the world is unfettedly true and anything that contradicts that is just either false or irrelevant or stupid you know and i think th- you, know, you know you want to talk about some of the root causes of problems in the world you know so it's interesting that you describe that as worship of self though um i'm, I'm trying to because because where david foster wallace goes is, is he he goes off in a different direction mm. that that um 
people worship other stuff that will eat you alive. And we'll come back to that in a moment because it's interesting. But that that kind of um, self-worship, I guess, that you're describing there, like does that how, how does that eat someone alive, do you think? Or yeah. Well, well I, and so I, I think it falls back down to this idea, and again, this is um, this is a thing that you know, this is this is a, a debate that we constantly have, right? Um, is you know, it it eats you alive if you also presume this idea that truth is universal. You know, I'm so actually, I, th- I think I've had this conversation with you at another point in time, but like the the issue with Jordan Peterson. Have, have we talked about that on the podcast? Like, I, the, I don't know that we have on the podcast. Okay, yeah. so so um, the, the Jordan Peterson, and um, you know, I, I will come out and say I'm not the biggest Jordan Peterson fan. Um, and and there was a really interesting analysis that I heard elsewhere about kind of precisely what's going on with Jordan Peterson, like, and why is Jordan Peterson a problem, and like, you know, how what is the kind of the logical foundations mm-hmm. for all of that? Um, and it comes down to this kind of A plus B equals C statement that he makes that underpins everything he says. And the fact that A is probably true and B is not true. And that leads us astray. So his A statement is that everything is narrative, right? He's a narrative psychologist that yeah. everything we, every truth in the world is a story and human beings fundamentally like stories and, you know, that therefore that means that you know you know, you, you need to understand everything that gets said as just a story which I go, go sure. sure that that's true and i think jordan peterson part of his success is the fact that that's actually that's a new that's a new concept for a lot of people who he is talking to so a lot of the people who listen to jordan peterson and think that he's a really intelligent well switched on person they, they've never thought of that before necessarily. Right. So the, it's a new idea for them. Yeah, he's yeah. introducing a new idea that is true and makes a lot of sense and really gives a framework for lots of people to understand things. So they're kind of they're already in on that on that statement. Yep. Now his B statement is there is a fundamental universal truth of the world that is true irrespective of the stories we tell. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that that's the one I have a big issue with, right? That I'm just like, what the hell is going on here? But yeah, you know, he 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 takes this kind of universe, this absolute universalist approach, um, and you know, and it's kind of, you know, I, and I think again, I think part of his success comes from the fact that the people he's brought in for whom the A statement is new for, they kind of already inherently believe that. The, you know, the, yep. the, 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 it's a pretty common belief amongst a lot of people that universalism and that there's there is some truth that underpins everything well, I, I, I would say that right? yeah, like, yeah, yeah yeah sure so um so you know he's got this universalism statement and the statement of narrative right mm-hmm. and then the third statement that kind of then leads him down the garden path to insanity is this idea that the universal truth just happens to be the thing that i believe it to be or i understand it to be right so you know that biological essentialism is a thing and you know genders are purely biological or that you know um that yeah that, that, that everything can be explained through a kind of um uh a, a, a kind of a a real scientific uh you know very 1950s style scientific sure. explanation of of how people evolutionary are. determinism yeah. and yeah. yeah and so when you put all of that together what you get is somebody that says you know, biological essentialism is a thing and people are just as they are and that's this universal truth and there's, you know, and look at all these other 
woke lefties who are telling all these narratives and stories about everything else and aren't they bullshit? And you, you, you have Jordan Peterson, and this is how he gets created, right? But I, I think it's a really interesting thing in this context where it's like, yeah, you know, I think you end, you know, when, to me, this is part of the problem of universalism, right? Okay, right, yeah, yeah. 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 Where it's like, you know, you you if you follow universalism too far, you know, it's... I think it's one thing for someone like yourself to say, well, universalism is true, but God has that truth, right? That I don't have that truth. But it's so, so common these days when people are not choosing to engage in a spirituality or religion mm -hmm. that when there is no external arbiter of that truth, that it just becomes whatever they happen to believe. Right. So yep. If you yep. believe both in universalism and in the fact that there is no external arbiter of truth, you end up... At the Jordan Peterson point, you right. end up so, at the point that yeah. So what David Foster Wallace is saying, though, I think, and and what is really interesting is that there is always an external arbiter of truth. Mm. Like like regardless of of what your professed belief might be or how you're feeling on on any particular day, and and this is what he's what he's talking about when there, there's no such thing as atheism, mm. because he's he's going to go on and say. Well, anything that you worship other than, uh, you know, Jesus Christ, Allah, Yahweh, the Wiccan God, Mother Goddess, Four Noble Truths, we could come back to that. But but you you will worship something. And if you're not worshipping in a kind of traditional spiritual sense, I guess, you will worship something else that, that will eat your life because you will find your value in that thing that comes externally to you that you'll be looking for validation um, in something, uh, and and so you will you will make something even if you, even if you don't think it's objectively true for everybody, it will become objectively true for you that I am valuable because I I have X. So um, I'll, I'll run you through his examples. Uh, he says if you worship money and things, if they're where you tap real meaning in life, you'll never have enough. Never feel you have enough. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you'll die a million deaths before they finally plant you. Worship power, you'll feel weak and afraid. You'll need ever more power over others to keep the fear at bay. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, and you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the ver on the verge of being found out, and so on. And I think if you look at you know the the recent years of Jordan Peterson's career, uh, we could we could possibly say that he falls into that latter category. So, um, of, of that having a deep-seated insecurity. Mm, yeah, and, and so I I think I agree with all of that, right? And, and maybe this is a question of history, right? Because I think you know, th this speech was given in, what, 2005? Yeah, 2005. Yeah? Um, yeah. And, yeah, and I think that's probably right on the crux of actually maybe what I'm getting at, which is I think in recent times, and I think the, the his, his examples here speak to this, so I think this kind of, it's tying in. But I think in recent times the thing that is worshipped is the self and is self-actualization mm -hmm. and is this concept of, you know, we talk about kind of the, you know, what is the kind of the, the fundamental ethos of society? It's, you know, individualism and being able to but, be but that, true to yourself. But that self-actualization you have to do through something, right? Yeah, like you don't just self-actualize within your own mind, right? Like there's actions that are associated with that and, and sure, but, but, getting but, stuff or whether whether the stuff that you're getting is praise from other people or mm. material goods or whatever, you, you, you collect stuff in order to 
to construct yourself. Well, sure, but I think I think that all of those things that you collect, and whether you know the examples here of power and you know your body or whatever else, like those are just avenues. Yeah, I, I think. The, the, yeah, okay. So, so to me, in this example, God is the self, and these are just different sects of 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 the religion that lead you still back to the same self, right? In the same way that Christianity has okay, different right. yep, yep. avenues yep. and sects to get to God. Um, I think you know, worshiping beauty or worshiping power or worshiping wealth are all different avenues to get to the core thing you're worshiping, which is mm-hmm. the self. Which is what. Foster Wallace describes as the freedom to be the lord of your own tiny skull-sized kingdom at the center of all creation. Absolutely, and that's the core bit. That's the bit that I kind of go, this is where we run into trouble, right? Because, you know, um, I I was really influenced by a book by William Storr called Selfie, which talks about how Western society became kind of self-obsessed and really focused on that. And he goes through kind of history all the way through from Greeks to the Johnny Vasco uh, teaching kids to have self-esteem kind of thing, right? And like this whole kind of thing. And it's just, to me, I look at society and I look at particularly Western society and I just go, this is the core thing, right? <laughs> because I agree with Foster Wallace. We all worship something, right? And I think what the default we have gone to now, the default place we live in now is not, you know, it used to be we worship God. Right? You know, and for sure. all the problems that caused, right, that, that had its own set of problems, but that was a thing. Well, and, and like within within Christianity, and this is part of what we started talking about near the beginning of the episode, is that, yes, we worship God, but we worship God imperfectly. Mm. Um, and, and there are always other things that are claiming uh, our worship and attention, mm. right? So um, we talked in, in the last episode, and it's relevant to this one, I, I think, David Foster Wallace is is tapping into um, this this explanation of the first commandment that you know you shall have no other gods before mm. me that um, comes from Yahweh to to Israel um, at Mount Sinai and that but the the explanation of that that anything in which you place your value and, and you get your self worth from and, and everything else that, that that is what becomes your god. Now, that explanation in the way that it, I've just put it and it's often quoted now goes back to Martin Luther mm. who was r- writing this in the 16th century which was at like the height of Christendom when everybody was supposedly worshipping God and he, and he looks around him and looks at what people are doing and goes, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so I, I think you're right, um, but I don't think it's just a modern phenomenon. Sure, yeah, well, and, and you know, I think we've been working towards this phenomenon for quite some time, right? <laughs> we've been getting better at it. Yeah, like, yeah. but, but, but I, th- I think this is, this is part of the defining, defining characteristics of the 21st century, right? That, you know, we have perfected this way of living in a society that does focus on worshipping the self. You know, if you think about, you know, everything we do in society is geared towards, you know, and self-actualization. And it's... it's yeah. And it's hard because you, you don't want to argue against that, right? Like, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm someone to be like, oh, well, people should just, you know, fall into some collectivist, you know, thing where they just do what their parents tell them to do and you don't do anything for yourself, right? Like, I'm not advocating to say that that um, that living your life in line with what you want to do and your own self-actualization isn't a good thing, but I think... Well, but it can be very much a not good thing. Yes, and, and that's the thing. But I think if we take it as the fundamental core tenet of society and the thing which we worship that uh, that drives us to do all these other things, that's when you start to 
you know, and again, combine it with, and, and actually maybe this is the core thing. Maybe I think it's totally fine to, to be focused on your self-actualization, but you have to give up universalism, right? You, you, <laughs> you, you cannot hold both a commitment to self-actualization and a commitment to universalism because then you start to think that your opinion is the only right opinion. And I think if you, and, and maybe this is how I manage this mm-hmm. in the world is that I com- commit to relativism and, and I, I have this idea that, you know what, I am living a lot of my life in, in, in service of, well, you spoke previously about you know, being in service of Buddhism and in service of those goals, but also, uh, you know, but yeah, sure, I, I live in a Western society where I serve my own interests, but I am fully aware that they are purely my own perspectives <laughs> and they're not something that I then think apply universally. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And there's a discussion kind of on, on freedom that we could, mm. uh, uh, we're, we're not, we might get to it because maybe the way that I hold that universalism in in my I I think there's there's a fair call there of of if you if you're holding to even just a, a universalist ethic I I strongly suspect that that will wind up eating you alive mm. because you will never be able to like like you know Q and on folks like whatever whatever standards that they've got that they're expecting that society should work like they you're not going to be able to live up to that consistently mm. you, you're you're just not and the part of what goes along with christianity in that perspective is like well i i know that i don't measure up to mm. god's universal standard the the way in which all people should be living mm. um but I also know that that's not actually where my value as a person mm. comes from. Like it, it's it's almost like God breaks through from outside the system. Um, to, like yes, there is universal capital T truth, um, and there is a good way to live and a bad way to live. But the the good way to live is to. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Um, take my yoke, like my burden upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And and he doesn't say learn from me because then you'll know everything, be able to do it perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Um, he says like, learn from me and follow in my footsteps and I'll keep taking your burdens, right? Mm. Um, and and, so, and and when you when you know that for yourself to be true that there is a universal standard that I don't measure up to, can't measure up to, but walk in anyway because I'm walking with the God who upholds that and um, and and maintains me within it without rejecting me for not measuring up to the standard, then all of a sudden I don't need to judge other people around me for not measuring up to the universal standard to mm. which I hold, um, yeah. which again maybe is because it's it's coming from outside of me as well. Maybe that's, maybe that's a factor there that it's... It's not the universal standard of my invention, and and as I was saying, there there are parts of it that I um, don't understand, right? Yeah, and and I I wonder how much of this goes, how far this goes in explaining a kind of spiritual crisis that you see in modern society, right? That like oh, and a mental health crisis. Yeah, right. That that it's it's the conflict between, you know, people that 
yeah, it's it's a conflict between holding on to a universalist ethic and the kind of the 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 human desire for a for a universalist explanation of everything. That there is a truth and you can understand it, and but you hold on to that, and yet you also try to hold on to this concept that my experience and my emotions and what I know and see in the world is the truth and the arbiter of truth and and that yeah. So so you you both hold on to universalism but are not willing to let go and give away that truth to god to jesus mm-hmm. to whatever else yeah and, and yeah and as you said right you know, jesus doesn't say give it away to me and then you'll solve everything it says <laughs> give it away and then i'll, I'll keep i'll yeah. keep helping you and, and i would right? describe it as i get caught up in god's story right god yeah. isn't part of my story i'm part of god's story yes and then all of all of a sudden actually my story becomes relative yeah. right because it's my story is not the absolute my yeah. story is taken up in the absolute yes but 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 i think if we have this kind of 21st century mindset that you know as, as david foster Wallace says our story is the center of the world right mm. like that yeah, yeah. it's a very very uh pre- prevalent concept that you know that that my story i am the hero of my own story i am the <laughs> thing and you know yeah and, and again yeah. Uh, and, and and then as a hero you can never be hero enough yeah and, and yeah. william Stahl's book talks about this around like you know the the, the snowflake syndrome right which I, I hate the term but it's like this idea that yeah, yeah like you know i i don't know about you but i feel like my generation you know being a millennial whatever so we, were, we were raised with this idea that you can do anything you want to do you can yep. be anything you want to be it's just about what you decide right yep. and it's like no you can't <laughs> just a basic level of KB. i can't i can't do everything i, can, yeah, I, can, you know. I can't be a jockey i'm a six yeah. foot five guy like it's, yeah. it's just not it's gonna just, be yeah yeah and yeah I, I can't be a basketball player right because i'm a, I'm a <laughs> i five, also five seven, can't you know? be because i'm six foot five but i can't shoot to yeah. save myself but. <laughs> right. but, but but it's yeah it, and but because we were raised with this mindset oh well you can it's just about your your own yep. decisions and whatever so so our that that sense of being the hero of the story and being the centerpiece of everything is there and but then we also have this human instinct for universalism that it's the clash between the two and the and as, as described the eating alive that goes on of yep. holding those two true that leads to our current spiritual mental health crisis whatever you want to call it that just yeah it's this people do, you, you can't fundamentally sit in those two spaces without things going wrong you, you can't be the center of the universe at and that universe be true for everyone. Yes, and and again, I think this is maybe where the kind of Christian and Buddhist perspectives, you know, solve that differently, right? Mm. The Christian perspective yeah, yeah. is we solve that by you're not the center of the universe, and the Buddhist perspective we was we solve that by saying sure you're the center of the universe, but you're only the center of your own universe, and there are mil- <laughs> multiple other universes going on here that have nothing to do with you. So that actually brings us around a bit, and I know we're running up to time, but to to where we landed in the the. I'm not sure if it was the last episode or episode mm. before that, that you were saying that kind of the love and care for others mm. as a as a fundamental tenet of both Buddhism and Christianity. But then you say that Buddhism has a layer deeper beyond that, mm. um, and and maybe that actually reflects the um, the self versus the, the universal. Mm. In that Christianity would say that 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 love of others and that being caught up in god's life of love is the universal story Mm. in which you find yourself where god is at the center Mm. um and of course because buddhism can't say that for the for the reasons that you just described then it, it has to go further beyond that because there can't be that ground t that capital t truth there there sort of has to be a nothingness yeah. Beyond it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, 
Yeah, so it, it reminds me of a, of a time a Christian and Buddhist walked into a bar. Is this bar in Nirvana or heaven? Or Valhalla. Oh, Valhalla. And, 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 yeah, they're all, they're all wrong. <laughs> they're all, they're, <laughs> no, they're all right. Everything, everything is correct, Jacob. Feasting and fighting forever. The, yeah. Nothing is wrong. Uh, but they walk into a bar and um, and they're having a conversation about like what they had for dinner the other night. And the and the Christian, you know, you know, had this. You know, so I had, had, went to a great steakhouse, had a great steak, and the Buddhist went, "Oh, I went to that new restaurant in town called Karma." Uh, it was really awesome, and, yeah, okay. and the Christian yeah. was like, "Oh, come! I've heard of that place. Like, yeah, that seems really good." He's like, "Oh, yeah, just want a hat. It was great, perfect, you know, brilliant, brilliant restaurant." And the Christian's like, "Like, what's on the menu? Like, what did you order?" And the Buddhist was like, "Oh no, like, there's no menu. They just give you what you deserve." <laughs> and he had a great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I would uh, hate that restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I, would, I would love that restaurant. This, this is, <laughs> I, I. Uh, choice, uh, choice paralysis is always a th- or not tr- yeah choice overwhelm or whatever it is. It's always a thing. Um, or choice overwhelm leads yeah, to choice a, paralysis. There were some brilliant Audi ads a couple of years ago about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's why it's why I, I always if there is an option I always pick the tasting menu at a restaurant because like no just just pick. You, 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 no, you, 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 you choose for me. You you yep. guys know what, what what's good. You you pick. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, I think that's all we have time for today. But I I, I really like that. Really like that conversation. I like I, I like David Foster Wallace as somebody I kind of know nothing about and now know slightly more about. So this yeah, is good. need to read some more of him. I think oh, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah, you can tune in next time when we read the entirety of Infinite Jest as an audiobook. <laughs> um, yeah, we won't. No, it's safe. The yeah. only thing to be afraid of next time is whatever Jamal with whatever Jamal joke comes up with. Oh yeah, yeah. no, no. I look, I, I, I. I I am toying with the idea of dropping the jokes to increase our audience numbers, but then I just go, well, no. No, no we can't no, do you gotta that. You've got to be true to yourself, yeah, man. got to be true to myself, and if uh, if everyone uh, if everyone hates it, it well, that, that's just their truths. Exactly right. Like, you're the centre of the, the joke universe. They don't need to be universally true. They can just be true for you, Yeah, right? they're, they're funny for me, and, and, and that's what <laughs> Are matters. they, though? Are they? No, no they're not. They're not. <laughs> Uh, well, thank uh, thanks you for much. hanging around. Yeah, thanks for hanging around, everybody. Um, please do send this podcast to a friend. Let some people know about it. We'd love to have uh, more people uh, be subject to the jokes and uh, be part of the conversation. So uh, share share the podcast as you wish. Absolutely. You can get in touch with us at christianbuddhistbar at gmail.com. And our music is by Kevin McLeod. We'll see you next week. <laughs>